It's time for the Alien Conspiracy Podcast. We are your host, Agent Kruger, Agent Ether, and Agent Anderson. Come along as we examine UFO sightings, conspiracies, and all things strange. You can follow the show on Twitter at AlienConPod. We also have an email address, AlienConPod at ProtonMail.com. We would love to hear from you. And don't forget to check out our Facebook group or page. This week's episode, The Hesdalen Lights. <laughs> you like that last little drum hit? Didn't feel right. I do. All right, I just I have to apologize in advance for all of the really bad accents you're about to hear. Okay, so I'm I'm sorry, but this week we are doing the Hesedalen lights. Is that is that Norwegian accent? I don't know, but I will be making no such attempts. Oh, well, I, I, you're no I, I fun. Don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty cool, eh? <laughs> no, can't do it. All right. Before we get, I should go take some acting lessons or something. Dude. <laughs> I, act, if you take acting lessons, they have to do cover like accents, right? I don't know. Maybe don't there's know, a YouTube no. video. That that's like a different branch of the acting world, I would think, where they deal with linguistics and all that stuff. So it's it's a graduate class, right? I guess. Maybe yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Honors. Yeah. All right. So before we get started on this week's topic, it's time for strange events, bizarre facts. The Unbelievable Revealed. This is the Mind Boggle of the Week. The Last AMC Dealership. American Motors Corporation, AMC or American Motors for short, was an American car company from 1954 to 1988. They made some great cars like the Rambler, Marlin, and Gremlin. Maybe the best known AMC brand still made today is the jeep some of my favorite classic cars are amc for example the car in third rock from the sun just plain sexy if i ever get more garage space i will definitely buy one in 1979 renault acquired major interest in amc in 1986 the head of renault was assassinated by a french terrorist group this led to the sale of amc to chrysler in 1987 Chrysler's president said, The attractions are Jeep, the best-known automotive brand name in the world, a new assembly plant at Bromelia, Canada, and a third distribution system giving access to a larger market. Or, you know, in other words, dealerships. AMC became the Jeep Eagle division of Chrysler. Its dealerships switched to selling Chrysler vehicles, and AMC became a thing of the past. This is the short, short version but AMC's story is a fascinating read and I recommend it to our listeners. So, where is the mind boggle? Well, it turns out there is still one, and only one, AMC dealership active in the United States. While reading the news this morning, I spied an article on The Drive written by James Gilboy titled, There's a ruined AMC dealership that's actually still open in North Carolina. Since AMC is my favorite classic car company, I had no choice but to read it. Surprisingly, the title was accurate. The dealership sells restored AMC cars. It is also in a state of ruin. 
Dilapidated cars, overgrown with foliage and rusted to the core, litter the lot. The central building is in a state of decay, part of it having collapsed sometime in the 90s. While it looks like a haunted junkyard and doesn't sell new cars anymore, technically AMC's last dealership is still open for business. If you want to check it out, it is called Collier Motors, C-O-L-L-I-E-R, Motors. And now it's time for this week's topic, the Hess Dahlen Lights. I don't know. I kind of want to go check out this dealership now. Yeah, go look up pictures of it. It, it looks like, I don't know, it's crazy. Like, it all, there's still cars on the lot, but they're all overgrown with, like, weeds and rusting apart and stuff. It's but crazy. But they sell cars. Like, it's an active business. Yeah. So what they do, I guess, is they they obtain and restore or broker sales for uh, rare and expensive AMC vehicles. So maybe one that had been used in a particular movie or a model that only like 15 or 50 of them were made. So they're worth a lot. And most AMCs are not sought after. They're not like classic, you know, I don't know, Camaros or something. But some of the rarer models are worth a lot of money, like 50K on up. So some of them are valuable. Most of them are not. Well, I'll just say, are you done with your mind boggle? Yes. Well, that makes me think, uh, who is it? Warren Buffett, who owns Berkshire Hathaway. Is that his company? Yes. Uh, they bought Seize Candy, actually. they were Seize Candy was like going out of business, I guess. And they acquired it and raised their prices. And he said it was one of the best investments he ever made. Hmm. That's kind of what happened with this. Chrysler bought AMC and they didn't want the whole company. They only wanted the Jeep part of the company They wanted the new manufacturing facility in Canada, which was apparently state-of-the-art and way better than what anybody else had. And they wanted the network of dealerships. But it also, it became one of the best acquisitions ever in the history of any acquisition because it turns out the, so you probably aren't familiar with the history of AMC, but it was like an underdog. It was a very small company trying to compete in a market against the big three, right? Like Ford and GMC And who else? I don't know. Whatever. Those big car companies, right? So they had to continually be incredibly creative and think outside the box to stay competitive. So they had a very talented management and engineering team. In fact, some of their engineering team, I forget the gentleman's name, but he actually became the head of engineering for Chrysler. So they didn't just get the the intellectual property and the physical property. Probably the best part of the deal for Chrysler was actually the talent that came along with it. But it was, uh, yeah, it's a really interesting, like I said, it's a super interesting story and it's, it's definitely worth a read. The reason I didn't spend more time on it is because it may not be really appropriate for this show, but it's still like a really fascinating, just a really fascinating topic. Just the, the beginnings, the evolution, the trials and tribulations of AMC, how they were able to overcome, you know, all the hardships throughout the years, multiple near bankruptcies negotiating with the banks and when they were ironically when they were bought out by Chrysler uh, they were doing very well they were not going bankrupt it was one of their best years ever but because of the shenanigans going on with Renault and their trials and tribulations they ended up selling their shares to Chrysler and at that point they owned a significant amount of AMC so it was just sort of I don't know the whole thing is just kind of a weird story but it's very interesting that's why I recommend our readers Go read up on it. It's just a fascinating story. All right. Well, let's get to this week's topic. Is uh, Agent Kruger, are you back? All right. Let's let's go ahead and pause here and wait for him then. 
All right, let's get into this week's topic: the Hesdalen Lights. Hesdalen Lights, yeah. yeah. I warned you guys. I warned you. All right, we're talking about the Hesdalen Valley in Norway, and Norway is in Europe. For all you ignorant Americans <laughs> out there, um, so the Hesdalen Valley—it's home to the village of the same name, and it's located about seventy-five miles south of Trondheim. The valley itself Trondheim. is about nine miles long. And so I don't know if you guys have looked at this before I get into describing the lights. How would you guys describe the lights? Agent Kruger, what would you say these lights actually look like? So we're talking about the history. Well, there's, there's various descriptions of it. There's, you know, the one that I keep seeing pop up a lot is triangle shaped. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I also see from what I can see with photos that I've pulled up, it almost looks like fire in the sky type deal. Yeah. It's just big bulbous blur, like blobs basically um but yeah i haven't what i've been looking for trying to track down is a video of like or at least you know a a full video of lights bouncing off the mountains as per eyewitness account (laughs) excuse me but uh yeah no for the most part it's like very uh misshaped very very uh odd shapes coming out of there Agent Ether, how would you describe these lights? Well, there's several different kinds. There's all kinds of classifications of lights. My favorite lights that I saw were the ones that Agent Kruger are describing. That's almost like somebody's taking a laser pointer and drawing in the sky. Yes. You know, and there's like a trail that's left behind and maybe like shooting out of it or something. Like, And, and it's really bright, like a bright yellow. Yeah, yeah that's, that, that's a better description. Let's go with Ether. <laughs> some of those are, um, I think the, not all of them, but some of those photos are time-lapse pictures because it's easier to see what, what the light's doing with a time-lapse. So some of those, like what you're talking about, like those scribble looking things, that's, that's I think, you know, you'd have to look at this, the data on the specific picture. But that aside, um, before we get more into the topic, there is no shortage of pictures and videos of this thing. It's a real thing. And that's why I like this topic. On one hand, it's not controversial because we know it's real and you can go see it yourself. In fact, they Mm -hmm. have live webcams. You can just go look to see if there's one right now. You could go check as you're listening to this. But on the other hand, we don't know what's causing them. So it's a real mystery. Well, and you had this wave almost of sightings right in the early 80s that have since tapered off. So something happened then that's not happening now. Right. And what is that thing? No. Nobody knows. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's get into some of the specifics. The lights can appear during the day and the night. And like we said, they can come in many colors, like blue, bright white, yellow, red. There's a whole range of different colors they appear in. The size has been estimated. It's kind of hard when something's in the sky to estimate the size accurately. But witnesses have described anything from something minuscule, like smaller than an inch, all the way up to 100 feet across. So the, the size varies quite a lot. I, I, I don't know. I think I'd put my scale on. Uh, it goes from eh to holy shit, that's big. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, I'd say that's accurate, right? <laughs> the temperature of the lights is estimated to be 8,540 degrees Fahrenheit. And it th- because the temperature can be estimated to be so high... A lot of scientists think it's some sort of plasma, perhaps related to something like ball lightning. However, plasma shouldn't be able to last as long as some of these sightings last, 
So that kind of makes it seem like maybe it's not plasma. And the more you get into the details with whenever there's some sort of hypothesis, there's always good evidence to suggest why that hypothesis shouldn't be true. And there's evidence to suggest why it should be true. There's a lot of contradictory evidence based on the sightings, which is, to me, makes the case completely fascinating. Some of the lights will last only a few seconds, and some of them will last over an hour. I think the longest sighting was something over two hours, maybe three hours. Sometimes when the when the uh, orbs, sometimes when the lights move, they they move very fast. You know, twenty, thirty thousand miles an hour. Other times they'll just hover in place. Sometimes they'll oscillate back and forth, making like a, a wave patterns, like a sine wave or something as they move. Um, and sometimes they move in jerky motions. The shape of the lights can vary quite a lot. Sometimes geometric patterns are seen. Other times they're orbs or streaks of light, lines of orbs or dots, straight lines, bent lines, blobs of various shapes and sizes. Some of the shapes are kind of hard to describe even. They, they look, well, they're hard to describe, so you'd have to see them yourself. Hessdalen.org, H-E-S-S-D-A-L-E-N.org. That's where I would start. They have a lot of pictures and videos to look at. They don't have everything available, but they have a lot of stuff. They have scientific papers that you can read. They have pictures, and they have those live webcams. So if you're curious to see more, you're curious to look at these for yourself, that's not a bad place to start. The orb shape seems to be the most common. Those hover, so each shape has particular characteristics. The orbs seem to hover in place, move for a little bit, and then stop again. They can be large orbs that spit out smaller orbs. Sometimes they'll appear alone, other times they'll appear in clusters or patterns. Or they could just could be rockets that NASA's shooting up. Yeah, why not? <laughs> <laughs> That's what they want you to think. Some of the slow-moving orbs appear to have a mind of their own. They might move away or toward an observer, as if reacting to when the observer approaches. So there's a lot of stories where somebody sees these orbs and they try to approach them, you know, like they try to drive towards where the orb is, or they try to hike to where it is or something. And as they get closer, the orb will appear to react and move away from the observer or move towards them. And a lot of people have reported that they get, like, they'll feel, you know, they'll have emotional responses as well to the orbs. And one person even reported that their watch stopped working, which I, I could only find just that one report, so maybe it was just a coincidence, or who knows, really. I mean, maybe it was some something to do with something else. I don't know. But, there, yeah, that's there's a lot of really interesting reports for this stuff. Uh, blue or white orbs tend to flash or move faster and only last a few seconds. The longest of this type only lasts about a minute. There's rarely seen a yellow light with a red light above it. The yellow light will move and the red light will flash from time to time. A few people have reported a black or metallic object with lights. Some of these objects are cigar-shaped with a light on either end. Others have multiple lights on them. And you can see, once again, you can see pictures and videos of this on hestalen.org. This particular type seems to be the rarest type, so there, there aren't too many pictures or videos of this one. Uh, the lights sometimes will appear over or under the horizon and disappear over or under the horizon. And you can see in many videos where the, the light will be traveling along, 
and it'll just wink out out of nowhere, just completely disappear into nothing. Where did it go? I don't know, it's kind of weird. Definitely weird looking. The sightings themselves tend to coincide with spikes in high frequency and low frequency radio ranges, which is, you know, it's an interesting detail, but what does it mean? The lights themselves have been reported since at least the 1930s, possibly earlier. There is an unusually high level of activity from December 1981 to mid-1984, as I think Agent Ether had already mentioned. During this time, the, light, the lights appeared 15 to 20 times a week. Needless to say, this brought in many tourists curious to see the strange lights. The frequency has since dropped off, and now they happen about 10 to 20 times a year. Uh, I posted a video, by the way. I'm pretty sure it's the most popular one at the moment. Or at least the most recent one. Because it was on... I don't know if you guys are familiar with... Uh, actually, I take that back. As I'm about to say that. What do we... Uh, you might want to cut this. But like, what do we uh, do if we're about to mention a like a channel on YouTube that's relatively big? Yeah, just name it. I don't care. Plug them. Name it? Okay. Yeah. I mean, they're like... I mean, he doesn't care. Like, I know for... A, like, I don't know him personally, but he's... Explain and he has 12 million subscribers, so that's well, the only reason I say that. I, I think anybody would appreciate the shout out, even if they already have 12 million subscribers, you know <laughs> right? I mean? yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, okay. Um, yeah, well, then the most uh, I would say I just posted a video in our Discord, and that it would be the most recent one, I would think, uh, as far as recent one being like the most clear cut case of orbs in, in that area. Um, or in the sky, uh, daily dose of internet, uh, actually posted this video in 2019 and I just got to find that actual video real quick, but, uh, yeah, it shows it's like, it's titled though, the individual video though, it's titled crazy lights over my house, 4k and it's by Lunda images, Lunda images, AS. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, hmm. but yeah, you guys can. Apparently, this was the two rockets that I was mentioning that were shot in over, were shot in the sky by NASA. Apparently, as part of a an experiment to test, and I, I'm not sure what the hell kind of test is going on there, but I don't know. Like, oh, what is, they want you to believe? Is that the one where it kind of looks like the aurora borealis or something? It's kind of like that, but it, it's orbs, and it, it's in in what looks to be in that area where there would be a lot of aurora bore, or yeah. <laughs> like even, uh, a lot of aurora lights. But uh, this particular one, it's like, it has two sets of four orbs mm -hmm. and like these green, like one's green. One starts out. I believe they all both start out pretty bright green. And then one fades into like a blue and starts like coming down in fours. And it's weird how meticulous it, kind of like streaks down from the sky and I'm not sure what the hell, what the fuck could they be testing, man? Like, that's so yeah. weird. Like, how is that a test? I remember seeing that in the news and I saw the video and I, I thought it was incredibly strange looking. Was that, was it like 2019? I, I'm 2019 I'm and yeah, April. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. And I remember seeing it and thinking that looks really bizarre, but it also kind of looked like, looks like the Aurora. And I remember reading what they said was they were doing some sort of test in the atmosphere regarding the aurora. But on the other hand, maybe that's just what they're trying to get you to believe. Right. I don't believe it. It's it's definitely looks really weird, though. Yeah. They would have to be using the same reusable rockets that Tesla has. Or, I mean, the you know what I mean? Like, I mean, with that, 
I mean, what the hell are they using where it's like you can see it streaking down and you can see like the balls of light that are kind of like coasting with it along the object. Uh-huh. And if it's a rocket shooting off, I'm just curious as to. Yeah. What it's- well, because it takes it takes a lot of energy from the sun to create the auroras. So how are they replicating that with, you know, what we have down here on Earth? Science, yo. <laughs> <laughs> We got them scientists going. Science, science meticians. What the I hell? Guess. Sorry, and I just noticed in, in the video too. Uh, there's a bit like there's a light that cat like around one twenty four, uh-huh. the one twenty mark. I should or yeah, one twenty two mark. Uh, as the lights are streaking down, if you look onto the mountains below it, slightly to the right, somebody has like a huge ass flashlight. And is like shining it onto the mountainside, mm-hmm. and it's completely like that. Doesn't look. I don't like now. I'm like my head's being warped with it. Like is the scale to like is that that doesn't make sense? It almost looks like it's a miniature rock now. Hmm. I don't know if you can understand what I'm saying. I'm sorry. I'm tripping out. But <laughs> that, that uh, <laughs> no, it looks weird. I wish you could see what I'm seeing here. It's it's all it's yeah. That's the thing where when when you look at some of these things. You know, you could think, well, we have it on video, we have it on photographs, many, many people have seen it, so it must be explainable, right? But then when you see it for yourself, you just, you just kind of, it's hard, it's like, it's hard to wrap your head around what you're seeing because it does not look like a normal thing that should be happening, right? Yeah. I'm telling you, man, you're going to say the same thing. Look at it. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Let's, let's get back to the Hess Dalen Lights. Is, uh, so, um, unfortunately, just, I forgot to mention, Agent ETA is out this week. He's got... Um, Again. Yeah, he's... Well, you know, he's being a lazy, lazy slacker. No, actually, he has uh, some... He couldn't make it, unfortunately. He's got something else going on. But hopefully he'll be back next week. But uh, in the meantime, we're um, we're going to... The, the, the uh, role or the, the job of derailing the podcast, we are putting that on Agent Kruger's shoulders. So it's now his job. <laughs> Hey, hi. <laughs> Somebody has to do it, and uh, ETA is not here, so Agent Kruger will be doing that this week. <laughs> hey, let's do it. Okay, let's get back to the show. Um, I'm the cool substitute teacher. Everybody can get away with stuff. <laughs> Somebody did an analysis, like just data analysis of the different sightings, and they found that the lights travel on generally, not all the time, but most of the lights will travel on specific paths or highways, and these generally will begin and or connect known magnetic anomalies in the valley. So by anomalies, I mean there's there's a lot of mineral deposits and concentrations of things. So there's some parts in the valley that have stronger magnetic fields, and those fields are generally where the, the um, orbs will travel from one field to another. Or they'll start or end at one of these fields and go towards, you know, something that's not necessarily one of these fields. So, what does it mean? I don't know. We'll get to some theories later, but it's just another tantalizing piece of evidence. There have been a lot of studies throughout the years about these orbs because they happen often or often enough. So, there's been a lot of scientific interest. For example, students and engineers ran the Triangle Project from 1997 to 98, and during this, they once recorded the lights in a pyramid shape that bounced up and down. During this project, uh, they well, they have several witness statements from this project, 
And in general, you can go and see many, many witness statements. Are you talking about 1990, uh, 1999? Or 1999? No, this is 97 to 98. There's a triangle project. But yeah, okay. There's, there's, there's actual lot. There's like video. literally hundreds, if not thousands of witness statements. But I always like to read a witness statement because if you if I read this stuff and then I just sort of regurgitate my opinion on it, that's one thing. But if you go to the source material and read the source words, like what this witness wrote down about what they saw, I think that's worth doing a little bit. You can't do too much of that because it gets pretty dry, but I think it's worth at least representing a little bit of what the witnesses who have seen this in person say about it. So this is, uh, um, I'll go ahead and read it here. Observation done during the Triangle Project. At 11.45, Akhtar pointed out a red light west of Oyungen, 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 Andreas thought that he had seen the light one minute earlier, but at the time he was convinced that it was the rear light of a car. When Akhtar caught sight of it, he came to the same conclusion. The light was traveling westward, away from Bravo, and at a rather high speed. Akhtar then studied the light through the 200mm lens of his camera. He saw that the light changed color from yet red to yellow and came towards Bravo at a very high speed. Akhtar explains that the light source seemed to be very big. It covered completely his field of vision through the camera lens, and he was completely blinded. When the object shifted from red to yellow, Akhtar started to shoot with his camera. The light moved back and forth over the Ayungan before it disappeared in the south. That is, it moved in behind... Oh, oh geez. M-O-R-K-V-O-L-L-H-O-G-D-A. Morkvolhogda. As seen from our point of view. Immediately after the light had disappeared behind Morkvolhogda, the western part of Lake Ayungen was illuminated as by an enormous spotlight. The line between the light circle and the dark surroundings was well defined. The spotlight was not in sight, but it seemed like the light was emitted from a point behind Morkvolhogda where the light ball had just disappeared. In the middle of Lake Ayungen, there is an island. This island was not visible in the dark. But as the spotlight was turned on, we could clearly see the whole island, even details such as trees. This was also the case for the western shore of Lake Oyongan. The spotlight searched the western part of the lake where, uh, while it was turned on and off. The light was enormously intense. The next part of the observation was by Akhtar Isaac alone, as he studied the dark surface of the lake through his camera, a light circle formed on the lake between the island Stormholland and the southwestern shore. The light was bluish, like the light of burning gas, but not so intense. It resembled more the northern light that is often seen in this part of the country, but far from lighting the sky, this light seemed to be emitted from a submerged source of energy. Both Andreas and Akhtar checked the sky for northern lights, but it was heavily clouded and no reflection from the sky was visible on the lake. The submerged light slowly vanished, 
Akhtar tried to shoot some photos of the phenomenon, but the light was too faint to expose the film. Both Andreas and Akhtar noticed that while the spotlight was illuminating Lake Oyangan, Lake Oyangan, and only then, some small, compact fog globes came drifting from the lake toward them, wrapping up the camp for approximately one minute as they passed by. I'm not really sure what he means by wrapping up the camp for one minute. So this is probably translated, you know, but maybe wrapping up the camp for approximately one minute as they pass by, maybe they mean circling around the camp or something. Both the members of the Bravo crew experienced the, this last observation over Lake Oyangan as dramatic and frightening. Akhtar Isaac and Andreas Barwin Olsen Akhtar got a series of pictures of the light. Uh, I think maybe that's a typo right there, but whatever. The camera was mounted on a tripod, equipped with motor and the time between each exposure is less than one half a second. He used a 200 millimeter lens, uh, 200 millimeter lens, aperture 5.6, shutter speed 1 125th of a second. The distance to the light was approximately three kilometers. And I find that that witness testimony right there, I find completely fascinating because they're describing a series of events, not just one simple light that comes and turns on and goes away, but something that could even be perceived as interacting with the witnesses. It just kind of makes my imagination go wild. Okay. <laughs> oh, wait, what? <laughs> now, now that you guys are awake again. <laughs> it was a really, really long encounter. I know, but it was a good one, though. I thought it was a good one. <laughs> but one thing to point out that, um, that we may or may not mention elsewhere is that the, these lights, they can vary in brightness by quite a lot. Right. So one, one picture setting, if you're setting your camera, the camera might pick up the brightest ones or the the um the least bright ones but probably not both because if you set it to pick up the really dim orbs or dim lights then the bright ones are probably going to overexpose the film or the camera but if you pick it up to where that doesn't happen to where the brightest ones do not overexpose then you're not going to pick up the dimmest ones they're just not going to show up at all in the camera so that's another reason why it's worth looking into these witness statements because the pictures and the videos, while very interesting, don't necessarily tell the whole story and they don't necessarily pick up every single minute detail that might happen in every sighting. A lot of the witness statements, too, they're very similar, even though there's different like types of lights and shapes and classifications. The witnesses all seem to, you know, have similar experiences yeah which is highly interesting and multiple independent witnesses is one of the most important pieces of evidence that you can possibly have for anything whether it's you know a ufo sighting or just you know a murder or whatever it is yeah yeah it's unnecessary a murder <laughs> murder yeah, yeah. you've been reading too much news in the morning i know there's too much yeah man this the news is not happy. I should just stop reading it all together. The news sucks. <laughs> yeah. the longest, even bliss. when I was little, I was like, uh, you only turn this on when you want to be sad. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, for sure. So there's a couple more studies let's talk about. Uh, in 1998, 
The Hestdalen Automatic Measurement Station, or Hestdalen AMS for short, installed equipment in the valley to monitor and record the strange events. And that's like I said earlier, you can go look on that website and they have like automatic detection and stuff. So there's lots of cool videos and pictures of the lights you can check out. Yeah, and they did all sorts of measurements. Right. Yeah, so they, they have all sorts of high-tech equipment like magnometers and... It's a serious outfit. And random number Magnum. generators and all kinds of crazy <laughs> stuff. Geiger counters. Yeah. So there, it's it's an actual... This is not just a couple of, you know, you know, idiots on YouTube running around with a ghost meter. It, no offense to people with ghost meters. I'm just saying. It, this <laughs> is an actual scientific, you know, attempt here to You're try to figure out what's going on. Offend our paranormal listeners. I know. I'm sorry, paranormal listeners. I didn't mean that. In fact, I fully intend to get a ghost meter at some point just because I'm fascinated by the topic. But I was just, okay, slip of the tongue. I didn't mean it. I, did, I take it back. I take it back. If you have a ghost meter. <laughs> oh boy, you in trouble now. I know. They're going to come to my house and haunt the crap out of me now, I bet. Watch. I have a particle cannon. A particle cannon, huh? <laughs> well, you don't say. All right. Another Plasma group. cannons on fleek. Sorry. What, what, what does this particle cannon emit? Like what kind of particles? I, you don't want to know. <laughs> we do <laughs> really though. Don't. There's a nice, there's a nice lady here. I don't, I don't want to, I, you know, we, we got women in here. I don't want to, I don't want to make anyone uncomfortable. You know what I mean? <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> All right. Another group, another group called EMBLA, E-M-B-L-A was formed by scientists and students Wait, to what? study the lights. What was it called? Mambla? No, not <laughs> Mambla. Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> You shouldn't even know what that is, you pervert. Uh, well, I got to know so I can avoid, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. Or at, at a time, I needed to know so I can avoid. Blame South Park. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, if, you're, if you watch South Park, I don't know. If, is that a real thing? I'm afraid to Google it. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't. I will not taint my computer with that search, no. But I'm, yeah. I think it does exist because, you know, if there's a there's always a group for everyone. You know what I mean? So let's... right. Like some of the stuff you see on South Park, you think it's made up, but then no, when you not. Google it, you're like, whoa, that is totally not made up. Like, for example, their <laughs> their episode, they or I think it was a multi-part they did on Scientology. I'm like, there's no oh, way. Yeah. There's yeah. no way. That's all fake. They're making this up. And I Googled it. I'm like, well, it appears that they're actually not making that up. All right, then. <laughs> I guess they did their research. Cool <laughs> beans, man. I'm going to go take a shower now. Yeah. Just <laughs> cry. All right, Oswald University College of Norway and the Italian National Research Council are also actively involved with studying the lights. All right, now, like I think I mentioned earlier that um, somebody did, I read a paper where they, they kind of did some data analysis on the sightings and tried to find certain patterns. So historic data shows that sightings are less in the summer and more in the winter months. April through, April through July is the low point, and August has by far the highest number of sightings of any month. And then it's really interesting that the sightings are this cyclical. But on the other hand, I, you have to take this data with a grain of salt, because a lot of these sightings are when people are outside actually looking at stuff. So if it's like rainy and there's a lot of thunderstorms, there's a lot less sightings, but that's probably also because a lot less people are outside looking for this stuff. So it's, uh, this data is not necessarily like a very conclusive, but it's still, you know, it still might illuminate some really interesting patterns. Illuminate, get it? Illuminate. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. I know, it's pretty clever, right? Very. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so for example, a pattern that's, uh, that showed up is that triangle sightings 
only happen when it's cold and cloudy and only occur in warm colors that, you know, like yellow, orange, and red. Um, objects with a jerky or halty motion are only seen, uh, were only seen in 1996 and 1998, or 1996 through 98, and in 2005. And these were mostly yellow and red. Objects described as flashing, except one, were seen on the west side of the valley only. Orb-type objects were seen in all colors and don't seem to have any particular patterns. And those are the most common, I think I already mentioned, was the orb-type sightings. Um, and there's, I, I don't know if we mentioned, there's a lot of other types of sightings, like geometric patterns. Um, there's even like uh, a double helix-type shape described and just all sorts of just completely bizarre stuff. So it, it's hard to really, some of these are so rare that you can't really see patterns, but it's just still kind of interesting that you see some really strong patterns with how these things are sighted. Um, did you guys by chance see those two videos I posted? Uh, not yet, no, but I can fire up Discord. Yeah, fire it up. All right, let's fire it up. Let's see here. Because there, there's supposedly the last one I posted, it's from December 1999, and that... I mean, the time of day, everything that you were just describing, I don't like it lines up with it. All right, let's fire up Discord here. The only thing I would believe, like, I don't like with the dude who's like, you know, I'm not, it's in the beginning, it's, you know, it's, he's going by the cardinal rule. Uh, when you see an object that might be extraterrestrial is to grab a camera, make sure the camera is really shitty. And just shake the camera as hard as you fucking can as you're trying to zoom in on it. But, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> but it's not until it gets to this like middle bit where it shows like a surveillance camera, like a game trail cam or something like that, capturing that actually gives a a stamp of the date and time. Oh yeah, okay. So I see the video of the rocket, which yeah, that's the one I was talking about for sure. I remember that one. Um, and now let's look at this one down here. Scroll wheel down. All right, let's see. Oh, there we go. Okay. Yeah, so that's, yeah, that's definitely, like, that one looked like a triangle. Right? Yeah, that one looked yeah. like a, um, like a Phoenix Lights kind of a deal. That was that's, really that's weird looking. Yeah, that's why I, I posted it, because, like, as you were mentioning it, I, I threw it up there. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, there's... So there's no, there's a lot of possible explanations as to what could cause these lights, but there's so many different types of them that it's hard. You can't, one explanation is not going to account for all the different types right, of sightings, right. which is, it's just a, it's a really weird thing. All right. So before we get into some possible explanations, did you guys have anything else that you folks, the fellas agents wanted to mention about the lights? Nothing, nothing to, I mean, I, I could possibly mention about. Like, nothing concrete uh, to say, but, like, just to throw in, uh, you know, my voice into the to the matter is, uh, you know, again, we, we touched, you know, briefly on this in the past with other episodes when it comes to, I don't want to say astral projection and stuff like that, but it was to do with uh, our universe blending in with another or our reality blending in with another. And could we be seeing, you know, examples of that with this, these these sightings and stuff like that. Or what if those blurring the blurs that we see are, are exactly that something trying to manifest itself into our reality, but I'm not 
<laughs> I won't get to. I'll just sidetrack us and. No, that's I'm actually. I saw that. That's a popular theory. Is it some sort of like interdimensional portal, like the ejection of plasma from an interdimensional portal or this this other dimension? Yeah. No. Yeah. Sidetrack away, man. This is this is what it's all about. Is just kind of saying, what if, you know? Right. Well, yeah. Know, of yeah. Course. And yeah. the theories of like some sort of paranormal activity. There. I mean, that's interesting to me. Yeah, and it's uh, people. The reason some people think that that's a possibility is because. Sometimes, like I said, these lights seem to react to people. So how does that make any sense? Why would the lights react to people? Does that mean it's some sort of what? Some sort of something? Supernatural? Some sort of vehicle? Or, I mean, what? What? I mean, if it was just like some sort of ball lightning, it wouldn't be reacting to what people are doing, right? It would just... Or what's happening to people with like what failed electronics and the you know, watches failing, as you mentioned. And like, you know, that's some serious, serious something going up there yeah there's some kind of shenanigans going on shenanigans yeah and i like so because there's no really good scientific explanation that we have yet that kind of makes my imagination go wild like i said earlier and like like what is it is it some sort of interdimensional you know thing because you know like there's dark matter for example and according to science if their dark matter theory is correct then most of the matter in the universe is unaccounted for, something like 80 or 90%. So one way to interpret that is, as you sit in this room, everything around you is only like 10 or 20% of what's actually there. There could be 80% that's missing. So we just it's there, we just can't observe it. Is it, in a, is it existing in like a fourth dimension or a parallel that dimension? It. That explains dimension. it. So like when I drop shit out of my hand, or like, you know, when you pick something up and it like, just falls out of your hand. So I'm bumping into shit. That totally makes sense. Yeah. And that's why I'm such a klutz is because there's some <laughs> that's invisible what I'm saying. Yeah. There's some invisible alien that every time I pick up my water glass, he smacks it's it out of my hand out of my hand. Yeah. yeah there you go. That's <laughs> what I say. There's, like, or when you pick up your phone off the ground and then all of a sudden like, you're juggling it and you're trying to make it not fall on the ground. It's yeah. Just, uh, is yeah. this a bored alien or son of a bitch, a bored inter- interdimensional being having some fun with you at your expense. Yeah. <laughs> hey, All right, let's talk about some of the possible theories for these sightings. Some of the sightings can can actually be attributed to lights from airplanes or cars. Sort of like the Paulding light, which I spoke about on a previous episode, it's thought that atmospheric conditions can distort and magnify the lights and make them appear where they shouldn't. And you can track like the flight paths from nearby airports and you can conclude definitively that this can account for some of the lights, but not all of them. We can also definitively, conclusively, and without a doubt say that many, perhaps most of these lights are not identifiable airplanes. They are something else entirely. But I just wanted to throw that out there that some of the lights could be and definitely are cars and airplanes most of them probably not another so one of the we'll get to like the theories theories one theory is that the combustion of hydrogen oxygen and sodium can occur in the valley because there are large large deposits of scandium although suspected the exact mechanism of how this could explain the lights is unknown one recent hypothesis suggests that the lights are formed by a cluster of macroscopic column crystals in a plasma produced by the ionization of air and dusty 
of air and dust by alpha particles during radon decay in the dusty atmosphere. Whatever the fuck that means, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Basically, some of the things observed could be explained by plasma and technobabble. That's what I get out of that theory, right? Atmospheric phenomena. Yeah. No, but so I guess there's radon and the it's radon is a particular kind of gas. It occurs in the area and as it decays, it makes alpha particles and radioactive elements. Um, higher uh, r- levels of radiation right. was shown in the area in some areas. Uh, well, let me re- let me say that again. <laughs> um, they were able to show higher levels of radiation in some areas of the valley uh, near particular rocks that the lights occur. In these areas. So there seems to be some association with higher levels of radiation and the lights. Um, and you combine that with plasma and it could explain some of the formations. But how that exactly correlates to the higher level of radiations is not completely explainable. But this stuff is like highly technical. So that's what I kind of got out of it. But I mean, I could be completely wrong about that. But the conclusion is definitely that they're not 100% sure how this could cause the lights. Yeah, I read a lot of different articles because they actually will have publications. They'll publish theories about what these lights are. Yeah, and actual peer-reviewed journals. Right, they're really looking for this explanation, but nobody can seem to agree. It's all just theoretical and highly theoretical. Right. And they can't, yeah, they cannot demonstrate experimentally. Right. They can't replicate the lights. They can just kind of say, well, this might kind of be able to explain it. Yeah. So another idea. So, then, yeah. so sorry. Then in that case, then why, why is NASA saying that that was a test? Like up in, uh, you know, the, those lights, those crazy lights over my house. It's, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, that one, that one looks a little different than the typical Hestalin lights. So would that, you say? Would you say so? Okay, all right. So that might be. It might actually have been a test. I don't know. I'd have to look into that one again. Maybe it was a failed missile test. Manassas taking credit, but or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I think what's super sus though is that giant ass light that like shines on the mountains. Like it's so weird. That thing's giant. Yeah. That was pointing that thing. Yeah. <laughs> all right. I <laughs> where's, digress. Where's that coming from? It's an interdimensional flashlight or something. I'm I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. I, it you would say the same thing if you saw it. Yep. You were I saying would. there's a lot of mines in the area too. Yeah, there are a lot of mines. Oh, from World War Two. Some of them are abandoned. I'm not sure if any of them are current. Oh, those type of mines. Yeah, it used yeah. to be Never like mind. a mining town. Like I, I thought they, they were like mining. fortified, like no. underwater mines no. or something like that. No. Like, that's kind of dope. No, <laughs> there right. were like deposits of zinc and copper and things. Copper there and still iron. are. I'm not yeah. sure if they're still mining in the area, but there are lots are. of the, the valley itself has a pretty unique structure that's um, that might be, I mean, that might account for it. So one of one, another one of the theories is that piezoelectricity or an electric charge that can accumulate in the rocks and crystals in the area can cause what we're seeing. And uh, I'm not sure exactly how that works, but uh, apparently charges and stuff can build up from, I saw this is an excerpt from Wikipedia. Pavia and Taft have shown a mechanism of light ball cluster formation in Hestalin lights by nonlinear interaction of ion acoustic and dusty acoustic waves with low frequency geo electromagnetic waves in dusty plasmas. 
Ion acoustic wave is one type of longitudinal oscillation of the ions and electrons in a plasma, much like acoustic waves traveling in a neutral gas. In other words, uh, uh, I don't know what that means. It sounds like they're <laughs> saying it sounds like they're almost saying it's a battery. Yeah, like it's a giant battery. That okay? So I have I found a battery theory from another website that that might maybe that's what they're talking about. But uh, I'll get to that one in a moment. And so for this particular one, there's I guess the idea is that theoretically they can predict that light bulbs would light bulbs would be ejected at 33,000 feet a second and they observe ejected light bulbs up to 66,000 feet a second uh, at the speed of, you know that they're ejected so i guess it sort of matches what the prediction is but again like yeah. i don't have the background at all to evaluate that Suck sort of my light bulbs like, nasa I, I don't know what any of those words mean <laughs> so you know it could all be bullshit i have no idea <laughs> Um, another interesting clue is that the central ball that's ejecting other balls is white and the ejected balls are always green. So that suggests like a particular element perhaps or something. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, they are testing those immortal plasma engines or whatever the hell they're called. So we can do long distance space journeys and whatnot. So maybe there's something there. But I don't know. Yeah. Something or other. I don't know. Well, you, yeah, like we're trying to find like that new propulsion technology so we can go fart along the universe and go find something else to go bug like invade or not invade, but you know what I mean? Go yeah. investigate a different planet. Well, they Ooh. say they say investigate, but you know what's going to happen, <laughs> right? It's our planet now. <laughs> yeah, they're going to. Yeah. Any, if they find another inhabited planet, we're just going to go. It's just going to be like colonialism all over again. You know what I mean? <laughs> now, what I am actually and. I feel this is going to be something that, you know, that shows me that, or hold on. I I'm so sorry. I'm flabbergasted already. Um, the whole, I thought there was supposed to be new documents revealed and new, uh, new giant chunk of UFO, you know, reports and eyewitness accounts, uh, being disin, uh, what's it called? I'm sorry. Declassified. Uh, declassified. Thank you. I don't know why I'm saying it like that, but, uh, it's just uh, it didn't the, it didn't really nothing right yeah it was yeah, kind of a letdown happened? it was like a, a, this huge big deal and then nothing but it I was, don't think uh, anybody was super surprised uh, pretty right. much everybody's call, calling it the Condon Committee 2.0 which we've I think we might have brushed up against that but back in the day the Condon Committee was supposedly a scientific evaluation of evidence of UFOs and they concluded that it was all basically a bunch of cod swallop but the interesting thing is is that the conclusion did not match the evidence. So they, during, like, there's two parts. There's the conclusion of the report, but then there's the report itself that discusses a lot of the UFO events. And a lot of the UFO events were unexplainable. And yet at the end, they concluded that they were all explainable. So it was, it was a, anyway, maybe we'll do an episode on that. I mean, the, it That'd was. That'd be awesome. Yeah. yeah. It's I a, mean, also to update on the Israeli defense dude that said that we were already being occupied by aliens and that they're here and that they live among us and we just really can't tell like, you know what i mean like we yeah. just like they're too scared to come forward and admit who they are and what they are um due to the fact that we in our nature we don't like what we don't know and we'll tend to either get violent or <laughs> yeah you know get really pokey with some sticks 
Well, so, uh, yeah. most most people, if they see a gross-looking insect that they've never encountered before, will freak out and Smash. go, ah, kill it, kill it, kill it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, kill the fucking ima- thing. Imagine if we encountered an alien, our reaction would probably be similar. Ah, kill yeah, it, kill it. Yeah, fortunately. And I don't blame <laughs> them if there was a, a, you know, a whole, you know, fucking United Nations of galaxies and planets that say, unite as one and say, no, leave Earth to themselves trust me they're that kid you don't mm-hmm. want to invite to the party because he'll play well, himself and how me. many historic i've seen so many historical throughout the years ufo sightings where somebody reported okay i saw a ship land i saw an alien get out and then i started shooting at it and you're like wait wait hold on <laughs> why did you start shooting at it you know or i saw a ufo overhead and i started shooting at it like wait whoa why because <laughs> i was taught to ask questions later well it's just i think fear takes over and then you just oh, start yeah. you know so uh, yeah, so, I, yeah, I I think I that, mean, but I mean, I, I would I don't mean to keep sidetracking, but like, would you guys would your first reaction be to shoot if you had if we all were open carry? Like, let's say I don't like you don't have to believe in this or not, but let's say if California was actually free and we were able to just walk around with you know, open carry our firearms and stuff, I don't think our first reaction would be. I mean, mine at least wouldn't be like open fire, shoot the fucking thing unless it's coming at me. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, 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 uh, I think again. mine might be to run. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would just hide really just get away. Yeah. I would definitely like to observe and then report, but it's, I wouldn't want to kill the thing. I mean, there has to be that moment where if you're actually witnessing an extraterrestrial being, you're going to be like, well, I got to represent the human being. I got a human race is on my shoulders right now. I got to, I got (laughs) to, don't fuck this up. Don't fuck this up. And then also, you know what I mean? Just, (laughs) ah, shit. (laughs) Like, just shooting the, damn it. No, it wasn't supposed to be like this. Um, But yeah. (laughs) Tragedy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, super tragedy. The whole, you know, the real, real invasion begins. Now, also something I would love to be able to cover if we did an episode like that, where we just kind of go back on uh, either promises that were made by our government to declassify things or what individuals said and come back around and see like, hey, you know, did some, did anything go, you know, did actually, or you know what I mean by mm-hmm. that? Uh, I would like to know more about um, the false flag events that we were supposed to be witnessing or possibly could have already been a part of and not know it. Mm-hmm. But I like, I always say that I've said this quite a bit that in like 2010, 2008, 2010 era or, you know, years, I kept hearing about a false flag event that would happen. It would be in the form of false alien life or something that would trigger a war type global type of situation where we'd all go, Oh shit, we have to fight against a common enemy mm-hmm. thus uniting and kickstarting a one world, the government, a new world order. And I mean, I, I don't like, it's just, it's weird. I'd like, I would like to come back on that. Cause I mean, there was supposed to be, you know, like the depopulation, you know, you can liken that to, you know, COVID and I don't want to like trip anyone up and, you know, state anything to make anyone nervous, but it's like we were, you know, the Julian Assange and uh, the fucking, oh, I forgot the other two uh, whistleblowers, but Edward Snowden. They, yes. Yeah. They were leaking and, information that and Chelsea was, Manning. Yeah. They're, <laughs> oh, yeah. That's right. Chelsea Manning. Um, but I mean, that, that was, isn't Chelsea Manning, isn't that this, is that a different 
that's not Snowden, right? No. Snowden didn't become Chelsea, right? Chelsea no. was a different individual. That yeah, became com- completely different else. person. Yeah, that's yeah. No, I am remembering now. He had he wore glasses and had anyway. Um, but yeah, point is, is that we were supposed to be like witnessing and already had this contact with extraterrestrial that would have scared us and that would have made us provoke, you know, it would have provoked a war. But, you know, I, I don't, what if that was all put on the kibosh because of the whistleblowers and all the people that were just like, oh yeah, you know, shit, we can't really do that. They're all in it. You know, they all know too much. Now let's just wait. Let's just wait another 10 years and then we'll come back. And yeah. in the meantime, they've, you know, developed the space force. Well, and <laughs> some people actually think that Snowden was working for the government when he leaked that stuff. So that was not an accidental or leak or whatever leak, uh, a rogue leak. It was completely planned out. But that I did not hear about. I, I that typically is, with that stuff, I, I would hear one thing and then I would just be like, oh, that's it. And then we'd probably not hear the truth or just a bunch of other crap that would just go along with this. So it's going to be really hard to, to, you know, come up with an actual answer for it. So I'll yeah. just ignore it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that's what a lot of people do. The, the Snowden leaks by themselves, for example, there's so much crazy shit in those documents. Like we, we did a three part episode on just one of those documents and there's so much just insane stuff that you can't even wrap your head around. It's like overload, information overload, you know? Mm-hmm. So there's thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of pages of documents that you, the average person cannot possibly get through or interpret or understand. Or even so, referring to the Afghanistan issue that's going or in the Middle East, like what's going on out there right now, it would seriously look like due to all those leaks and all the people being readily available with the information that they had so they can point a finger at so and such like it and almost seemed like they're like okay wait hold on let's let's take a break don't get too excited our you know we were gonna have this big bang on the 2010 but you know what i mean let's wait till 2020 and we'll start getting it more yeah you know well there's a new generation of imbeciles or people that don't give a shit all, all I have to say as far as like an alien invasion or a- encountering alien life goes, we can't even handle face masks. So what do you think would happen if people encountered, you know, if aliens were among us or people were forced to reconcile the fact that aliens were here on Earth or whatever? Like, you know, I don't think we're really yeah. ready for that. <laughs> no, we're not. No. I don't. And the sad thing is, is I really don't know when we'll ever be. I think the the time where it could look like we will is when somebody's not going into a school to shoot up kids. You know what I mean? Like there's not, there's not this hatred for its own race and its own, its own (laughs) people. Uh, I, I, I do believe in coexistence and I know when somebody's doing something completely wrong, somebody needs to step up to it. But I, I think violence should be like the last choice in a lot of things. And, well, the, I, I wouldn't want to be sure. The way my... I say it is that we're basically still a bunch of monkeys throwing poop at each other. Yep, you know, yep, we're, yep, yep. <laughs> yeah. I think we're, in 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 the reports of point like what when we were supposed to be visited by a higher being was when we uh, as a human, you know, as a whole would actually, you know, f- mainstream uh, like not teleportation, but like fast tra- like traveling the speed of light. 
basically. Once we mm-hmm. reach that ability to, uh, you know, travel planet to planet. So it's going to be harder for the outside worlds to hide mm-hmm. and, and not be able to observe that now we would be able to catch up to them on some level that, um, they, they would have to forcefully come up, come forward and say, Hey, you guys are going to find us at some point. Better get this over with now. You'll freak out. It'll cause a whole shift in your religious beliefs and like it will be bad. I, I don't think if, we were to hundred percent confirm aliens exist, or at least, you know, there's other life forms on different planets and they've been trying to make contact with us and vice versa. Like, I don't think that would, I wouldn't stop believing in a higher power that would only enforce my belief in a higher power that there is somebody or something out there that is a creator of all lives, not just our human lives. So, right. Well, yeah. And certain religions, I think actually a lot of religions for example, the you know the Catholic Church has had some statements on alien life and stuff like that. But let's let's not get too far sorry, afield. On sorry, that. my bad, my bad. That's my a bad. whole other topic. Let's let's get back to the Hess doll and lights. Well, kind of related to that, um, as it far as on some level, as far as religion goes, a lot of people out there think that extraterrestrials are in fact demons and angels, and there's actually a great number of people I found who think the Hess and lights are angels falling from from the heavens. And they justify huh. this because I guess it smells like sulfur in the valley. There's like rivers of sulfur <laughs> oh, <that's laughs> from the nearby though. mines. Yeah. <laughs> so they're like, well, it's when a demon manifests itself, there's a smell of sulfur and you see all these lights and they're just fallen angels coming to earth. Oh, and but mm-hmm. it's a sign of the impending apocalypse. Well, everything is though, right? End of times. Oh yeah, yeah. End of time. We've shit. We were already dead. We just don't know. Yet. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Like, we've already been times. through the apocalypse. This it was is a purgatory. Sim- <laughs> Our last chance effort was to create a simulation, and we all just escaped into a simulation world. Hence, what we are now. Yeah. But uh, uh, no. But I, I, uh, that too that that also correlates with when the whole fuck the you know them trying to manifest themselves in our reality it's like i i don't know like if that could be it but i i i think i'd be more inclined to believe i i don't know sorry i'll just shut up (laughs) (laughs) i i i'm trying to like as i'm speaking i'm i'm asking myself like do you actually buy that shit like would you actually you know sit there and preach it or you know buy into it and i Probably would, you know, to be honest. Like, I mean, because my brain is so puny. I have to wrap my head around something, you know, something Mm -hmm. grounded in reality. I think it's extraterrestrials. I think they're actually extracting ore from the mines and the plasma is left over from where they're beaming it up. Well, it hey, could be. That's uh, yeah. What's our <laughs> most valuable resource for them would be gold, right? Is there any gold mines? I don't think any? so. I think it's like zinc and iron and stuff. Yeah. Okay. But I don't know why they would come here for gold because there's like asteroids floating around that are, you know, more gold than we've found on Earth so far. They, Supposedly, would, right? Wouldn't would that it, be easier to get than the Earth on gold? Gold on Earth? You're telling I mean? me there could be a giant asteroid that lands here and it's just all gold? That'd be fucking dope. Apparently. I don't know. That'd be so awesome. <laughs> I would absolutely live for that. Yeah. I remember seeing on the news, it was like, this asteroid is worth billions of dollars and like, we're nowhere Look, I'm near just, it. Send but... me up there. I'm going for it. Give me a rope. Give me a chisel. Let's do it. That's Let's like, the, it. that's the future though. Sending out, 
you know, collectors yep, yep, to yep, bring yep. back materials. Yeah. Especially on the moon. Some of the, the I mean, helium's so hard to trap on this planet that it actually escapes our atmosphere. Hmm. But yeah, we're not in like a helium crisis or anything like that. But there's other shit that we can pull from the moon. Not Not an abundance of it, but, you know. I don't know. I go to the dollar store sometimes, which for those of you who don't know, it's a store where everything's a dollar. <laughs> Pete, everybody knows what the dollar store is. I don't know. You <laughs> might live in Australia and you're like, what the hell's the dollar store? Oh, Dollar Tree. Yeah, Dollar Tree. So you go there and they always have a shortage of helium. They're always hmm. like, we can't fill up your balloons for your birthday party because we have no helium. And I know sometimes there's hospital shortages and stuff too. Hmm. Well, maybe they need the space helium. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that good stuff. Speaking of space, one of the theories for the Hestalen lights is that cosmic rays or cosmic radiation somehow interacts with the unique magnetic properties of the valley. And this interaction allows us to see radiation types that are normally invisible. The exact mechanism of this would is sort of speculative, but it's just one of the theories out there. Another what, one that, that we were just... Oh, oh yeah, go ahead. I was just going to ask, would that be messing with their instruments? Uh, with that statement, was I didn't hear that correctly. Was it that our app or that the those uh, solar winds and stuff like that that create the aurora lights are kind of interfering with the ship, and so it's kind of like messing with its decoy? Is that and did I just completely? Um, no, no, there, something that particular up? theory is more like cosmic rays, which are like little particles or whatnot that are normally not easy to detect, but somehow they interact with something in the valley that makes you, uh, allows you to see them somehow. It becomes visible to the human eye. Okay, for sure. Never mind. Which, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Another theory is that it's some sort of artificial light, a UFO, uh, whether it's terrestrial technology or alien technology. Um, And this is because... Like I said earlier, it doesn't behave the way plasma should behave. Plasma should not be able to last for like an hour. It should cool down very quickly. It shouldn't just float around. So it could be some sort of vehicle, terrestrial or otherwise. But uh, it's this is just highly speculative. We don't really know. And seeing as it went back, the sightings went back to all the way to the 30s, maybe even earlier, I feel it's unlikely it would be terrestrial technology and if it was alien technology, why would it be so localized? Why would they only visit this one area? It just doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense. But I figured I'd throw that out there because it's a UFO, you know, and um, technically this thing is sort of a UFO. We don't know what it is, and it's flying. <laughs> what <laughs> if guess. they choose that area because it's a neutral area? Yeah, it could be. It's like, you know, they, there's less at likelihood of uh, somebody being violent over in the yeah. Norway's, Iceland's, and Sweden's. That could be. Okay, another interesting idea is that it has something to do with earthquake lights. So earthquake lights are when there when there's an earthquake oh. in an area with basalt or other specific types of rock, it can cause lights in the sky, and they're not entirely unlike the Hesdalen lights, although they're not all that much like it either. But while there are not a lot of earthquakes in the area, in, in fact, there, um, if you look at, there's an earthquake map you can see online, there are almost no earthquakes in the area at all that could cause the lights. But um, the valley does have the same type of rocks that can cause earthquake lights. So the thought is that some kinds, some ty- perhaps there's some kind of relation here, but what that is exactly, we don't know. 
Because in order for earthquake lights to happen, the rocks need to be stressed in a very specific way. But maybe there's something in the area that's unique to this valley that is putting stress on these rocks, and we just haven't figured it out yet, and it's causing something like earthquake, lo- uh, like earthquake lights. But it again, like the other theories, there's it's very speculative, and there's really nothing other than the fact that they're slightly similar to earthquake lights, and those rocks are in this valley, but... Other than that, there's not really a whole lot behind this one. I mean, to go go off of the earthquake lights, you would have to see if there was any... I mean, the Earth is always going through some sort of earthquake. I mean, or it's going through some sort of, you know, I don't want to say metamorphosis, but it's like, you know, it's always changing. Like, whether we know it or not, the, the mm-hmm. rocks beneath our feet are shifting, and those plates, you know, are huge. And, like, when one shifts here... On the complete opposite side of the equator, there could be another one shifting just along with it. Now, like, I mean, I would say the backup, that theory, we would just have to check any uh, Geiger counters or, you know what I mean? Like, we would have to, not Geiger counters, I'm sorry, but we would have to look up for any of the the devices that can tell if there's any earthquakes happening. I, yeah. I would always think that those were uh, accompanied with lightning, though, because it would create a... Um, Ah, damn. It's like the same thing when volcano is like erupting and stuff like that and how it can produce lightning through its right. ash or whatever. Well, that's interesting because there's very little... Uh, the Hestelan lights almost no, almost never happen when there's lightning, which is kind of weird, right? Yeah, and if it was ball of lightning, that would be... Or lightning balls or whatever. Yeah. I mean, that, that could go with it. Um Damn, I had something I wanted to add on to that, but now I completely forgot, and now I'm putting my foot in my mouth. (laughs) All right, so I just have two more theories. One of them is that it's the massive static electricity buildup on the mountaintops caused by wind. How that exactly works, I'm not sure, but that's uh, maybe the lights are some sort of arcing electricity. And the last one I have is uh, the, the battery theory that I think we mentioned briefly earlier. So one side of the valley is rich in iron and zinc, and the other is rich in copper, um, or the mountains on either side, I should say. They form the anode and cathode of a battery. Sulfur from the mines leaches into the river in the middle of the valley, and this acts as the battery acid, completing the circuit. Sulfurous gas rises from the river and interacts with humidity in the air and forms a battery with the mountains on either side of the valley. And it's sort of a really interesting theory, but at the same time, it's not really, you can't really replicate it, and it's, nobody's proven this to be true, but it's a very interesting idea. Uh, there, there's lots of other theories as to what could cause these lights, but that's pretty much all I have, so, um, or that's all, all I have for this show, because it just, I mean, you could go on and on, but at some point, they're, they're all very similar, you know, and there's really no point in mentioning all of them, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I read a lot about just different atmospheric phenomena. So I had to read up on, I guess there's all these lightning effects, and I didn't know about them. Like there's, uh, let's see, lightning-induced sprites and blue jets, and they're upwardly discharging above thunder clouds, and they're pretty short-lived. But I didn't know anything about them, and then I got to look at all these pictures of these amazing light shows, basically. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, they're nothing like the Hesdalen lights, but... They're still fascinating. They're still fascinating. And and I kept getting sidetracked uh, reading about this topic because I was like, wow, that's so cool. And I was reading about how the ionosphere 
like changes in thickness during the day and the night, depending on, you know, how much sun it's getting. And then I started reading about how like radio waves work and I just could not stay on topic. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the fun thing about some of these topics is you go down all these little rabbit holes and you discover things that you didn't know about before that are just fascinating. Like sprites, it, I don't know if we could do a whole episode on that, but I definitely wanted to do a mind boggle on them. They're really fun. And in fact, they used to be reported by airline pilots, but they were treated kind of like UFOs. Right. Like if somebody reported them, they would be sort of laughed at like, ah, he's just hallucinating or whatever until they were actually able to catch them on film. And it turns out they're 100% real. They're just, they're very short lived and mm -hmm. they're only above the clouds, thunder clouds, and they yeah. don't happen very frequently. So they're, they're not seen very often. They're very difficult to capture on film. Very cool pictures though. Yes. It, it's like, uh, yeah, it's like lightning, but red and uh, kind of like a ball of electricity in the middle, like branching out. It's very neat looking. Yeah, they're really cool. But all right, that's that's all I had for the Hezdalen lights for this week. Do you guys have anything else you wanted to talk about? All right, no. final thoughts. I guess I'll go first. My final thoughts, I kind of already said, like, I don't know, it's cool, but we don't have any idea what it is. <laughs> well, I'd be really interested and I think learning more, as I said, getting sidetracked about the Aurora Borealis and seeing if there's any uh, relationship between, you know, flares of when that happens. And there's all this stuff about how the Earth's magnetic field is changing and then correlations to like uh, solar flares. There's yeah. so many things that it could be, you know, like interrelated weather, solar flares, the ionosphere, like they all come and together. Global warming or our global oh, yeah. impact as a global human warming. Being. Like there's yeah, so yeah. many different factors it could be to come together to create this single phenomenon. Maybe that's why it's so complicated and there hasn't been a solution. Right. All right. Agent Kruger, final thoughts? Oh, yeah. I would say, you know, it's very peculiar, beautiful lights. You know what I mean? I, I hope they, uh, there's nothing nefarious with it, but, uh, yeah, no, I, I think you guys touched, you know, based on anything I could say, I, I agree with you guys. Um, but also, I, I think there was one thing I forgot to mention is that there's also that uh, the theory that there's what we see is just a cover, you know what I mean, for what's going on or like on unparticular like cloudy days or something like that. And like you see lights above the clouds and you can see some activity up there, but you don't actually see it, you know, what it and like. I'd like to believe that there could be uh, extraterrestrial extraterrestrials using it as a cover. You know what I mean? So they can just do what they want right Extract in front of our, our eyes ore. and not even know it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but I think it's, you know, keep distracting me because it's super pretty. I'm, I'm easy. <laughs> Lights, yeah. pretty. I just wanted to add that you can, you can visit Hestalen. Yep. If you want to. And they have like a UFO safari where you go we'll out to it. camp. And you can stay in these uh, traditional tents. I think they're called lavos. And they have glass ceilings. So you can look out and see if you can spot the lights for yourself while you're there. They have uh, oh. tours on horseback. You go horseback riding. You oh, look yeah. around for these lights as well. You can spend the night in cabins right up into the mountains. There's a local UFO pub where you can hang out with other people. And not only do they call them the lights of Hestalen, they call them the candles. 
I found one translation that they call them candles. So I thought that was kind of that was kind of interesting. Lovely place to fish, hunt if you're into those. Beautiful weather. Well, if you look at pictures of the valley in general, it's just an absolutely mm-hmm. gorgeous area. If you go yeah. there for UFO tourism, currently and for the last, I don't know, maybe even decade or longer, there's only about 10 to 20 sightings a year. So chances are, if you go, you're probably not going to see the Hestelan lights. You might, you might get lucky. And if you go during the right season, like in August, for example, your chances are probably much higher. But even if you didn't see one, it's such a beautiful part of the world that you probably would not be disappointed either way. It's known for its winter sports too. So go, go skiing, stay through the season, you know. Yeah, why not? <laughs> Quit your job. And, 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 and your job. Side yeah. note, if you can afford that, uh, invite me too. Yeah. <laughs> I'd love yeah. to come. The, yeah, the agents will gladly let you pay for our hotel. <laughs> yeah, just torture us. Let us, uh, yeah, we'll be your guinea pigs. All right. Well, I guess that's about all we have for this week's episode. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, you can really help us out by suggesting us to your friends. Shenanigans. Keep it strange.